Above Ground Podcast, episode 126, The Long Run with Steve Yachik. Disclaimer, the host of this podcast, Timothy Patrick and Will Foley, are by no means medical professionals. However, having lived experience with mental illness themselves, they have gained useful perspectives on common mental health issues that some of us struggle to overcome on a daily basis. By sharing their stories, they hope to create connection. By creating connection, they hope to help you find your purpose. And through purpose, we can all begin to build the foundation for positive mental health. This is Above Ground Podcast. Are you ready to lace up your boots, throw up your horns, and jump into the pit? Then let's stomp the stigmas of mental illness. It's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now, Will Foley and Timothy Patrick. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to episode 126 of Above Ground Podcast, which we're going to get rolling in a moment. I just wanted to take the time to tell you about Saturday, November 20th. Saturday, November 20th is known as International Survivor of Suicide Loss Day. Every year, the Saturday right before Thanksgiving, this day is celebrated to celebrate the people who are left behind. And the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention has programs all over the country on that day. And here in the 518, we are no different. There is going to be a specific uh, Albany, New York, military and first responder international suicide, international survivor of suicide loss day program at the American Red Cross on Everett Road in Albany, uh, 33 Everett Road, uh, from 10 to 1230 on November 20th. There will also be other events throughout the Albany area, as well as an online offering, which I will be a part of. And you can go to afsp.org backslash ISOSL and find your event that you would like to go to sign up, register, and it's free, and I think they're very important. It's very important for survivors to feel like they're less alone, and these days, even though they're hard for people often, are beautiful days of celebration, of celebrating the lives that are left behind and being able to look back on our loved ones that we've lost. So International Survivor of Suicide Loss Day is Saturday, November 20th, and that kind of leads us into episode 126 with Steve Yachik. Steve is a first responder from central New York. Uh, he is a volunteer firefighter and has been for a very long time. And he is such a good dude, and Luna, uh, his, his, his therapy dog, is amazing. Uh, Steve was on the Channel 13 WNYT suicide awareness program that Tim and I were recently a part of, and Steve was one of the panel with us, and I think you'll really, really take something from his story, man. Uh, so please give it up for Steve Yachik. It's time for the long run. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to Above Ground Podcast Interviews. Are you down with TPP? Yeah, you know me. Good morning, Timmy. What's up, buddy? Um, the usual. The usual. Oh, boy. We're, Timmy's got a case of the days. <laughs> we're trucking. You know, we're trucking. We have bad days. We have good days. You know, sometimes we're weak and we let um, our expectations come into the 
to the mix, you know. So uh, just trying to stay focused, trying to stay mindful. And um, I am excited today, though, because we are here on Zoom, which means another interview. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And we have a really good one this morning. Uh, we are joined by uh, someone that we met recently. Um, if you have been around the 518 in the last uh, month or two, um, recently, Tim and I and our guest today, as well as Dan Egan, who was a guest on a past podcast. And I wish I'd looked up the episode number because I can't remember, but I'll put it in the show notes. Um, we're a panel on channel 13, along with, uh, Kim Buchanan, who is also a volunteer for the American foundation for suicide prevention, uh, with channel 13, WNYT, uh, Jerry Gressinger, uh, sat us down for an hour and we had a panel discussion about suicide and suicide prevention and, and what to look for and just talking about our stories. And we met this gentleman there and this gentleman uh, is a central New York volunteer firefighter and has been since 1982. Timmy, I was 10 years old when Steve <laughs> started volunteer firefighting, man. I was six. <laughs> uh, yep. We are joined today by uh, Steve Yachik uh, and Luna. <laughs> and Luna. And Steve. you and Luna. Steve is also, Steve is also a, a mental health advocate and a, uh, um, suicide prevention advocate i'll throw in there because he's uh he's pretty outspoken about it which we like here at above ground podcast and uh he fits right in he's a good guy and uh welcome steve yeah welcome steve thank good you. morning you're very welcome man thanks for coming on thank you you got your mind you got my last name right so you get ten thousand points for that all right <laughs> well, in this game though <laughs> 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 well, it's Steve, thank you very much for joining us, man. Um, I, you know, let's just start with where you, you're, you're a mental health advocate for first responders in central New York. And I know you have quite the story when it comes to that. So why don't we start there? Why don't we start where your crisis comes in and now your thriving comes from? I have um, a background employee assistance program. And believe it or not, I've taken lots of suicide prevention classes through being a coordinator. And um, I'm just sharing that with you because it's going to put me into a position when I um, was in a bad place in 2015. I had it. I was done no matter what. I was just going to, you know, end it. Nothing was working. Nothing was working out for me. Um, I just got an out of a second marriage. Um, it was, we married for what we thought was the right reason, but it ended up coming to bite us in our butt. Um, and I couldn't do anything right. I was promoted to a position out in Rochester, and um, that job did not work out. So I came back to the Syracuse area. And I was really, really down, man. I mean, I was down big time. I got a hold of a friend, and um, I told them I was coming back. And if you remember in the panel discussion, I had mentioned if you tell someone you're available 24-7, make sure you're available 24-7. I was reaching out to this person, and I was not getting any responses from them. And I said, that's it. If I'm not worth what they're telling me that I'm worth, I'm done. I already wrote my um, obituary suicide note and I went into the bedroom. I was going to do it by gun. 
and I was ready. Um, at this particular point in time in my life with my service dog, she would sleep in a recliner. She wouldn't come to bed with me. Um, this was a transition period. I got her in January of 2015. This was around um, August of 2015. And um, we were still trying to figure each other out. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that goes into a service dog program. I could explain that some other time to you guys because it will take a long time to explain that. For some reason, she sensed something was going on and try not to get too full. Well, she said something was going on. So she jumped out of the comfortable recliner <laughs> and she came into the bedroom and she literally just laid right across me. She knocked me into, you know, laying down on the bed because I was ready to go. And she just laid right across me and she wouldn't let me move. Now she's only 55 pounds, I'm over 200 pounds. I couldn't move her. Just the way she positioned herself, I could not move her. I kept trying to push her, she kept moving back. I think at one point she kind of gently grabbed my hand and squeezed it with her mouth saying, hey, you're not going anywhere. And at that point, I am kind of spiritual, not to offend anyone. And I had a moment and that moment was, hey, I'm not done with you. I still have a purpose for you. I was starting to scream. I wasn't screaming loud enough to get the neighbor to come down and check on me, but I was screaming like, why? Why can't I just go? I'm in so much pain. Oh, an awakened moment for me. You know, I eventually fell asleep. She stayed by my side the whole night, which was really unusual at that particular point in time. Excuse me, I'm just trying to calm my emotions. And um, since that day, I just constantly ask myself, what's my purpose? And um, here I am, trudging through whatever it is that I need to do. I decided that, um, you know, mental health would be of that purpose but i didn't realize how serious first responders mental health issues were and it's serious the line of duty death is um lower than the suicide rate among firefighters first responders and it's really bad part of the reason i believe is because firefighters are afraid to be vulnerable vulnerable is a sign of weakness according to certain people had mentioned to you guys before I've, I've been, you know, listening to Brene Brown. Hopefully someday I'll be on her show. <laughs> um, she talks about vulnerability and it's not being weak. It's being courageous, being brave. It's being strong. You know, it's your story. Oh, up to it. Don't be afraid of what other people think. I just started stepping up. Um, I meet a lot of people uncomfortable um, in the fire service. They don't like to hear people, you know, or first responders saying, yeah, I thought of suicide or I attempted and I wasn't successful. We're portrayed as people that need to be strong. And that conception, it's good when you're on a fire call, but in your personal life, you need to start taking care of yourself. You need to start dealing with what you're facing, those tasks, and then um, you can't deny them. Um, you can't run from them. Because the more you do that, the more it's going to catch up with you. This is in 2015 when I attempted. In 1988 was one of the worst calls that I've ever been to. I've been to worst calls after that, and I've been to some bad calls prior to that. 
but in 1988, there was a fatal fire in Spring Valley where I started out. Three kids and their grandmother were killed. And a lot of the firefighters have tried so hard to get into the house to get these kids out and the grandmother out. Unfortunately, the homeowner was told that he was violating the code and the house was packed with people. Um, they did say at one point they thought the smoke detector went off, but we're not sure. One of the kids, unfortunately, was in the front window, fell through, I believe. And it was a gruesome sight that I'll never forget. Um, I do remember a lot of the stuff that happened that day. I won't go into too much detail because I don't want to gross people out. But I carried that for over 30 years. I blamed myself for that kid time. I um, was pro-fire prevention, um, fire safety education. I believe, you know, if we could prevent a fire, we would save lives. And here I am. I failed this kit. Even though there was hundreds of firefighters there, I took all that on myself. And in 2019, I decided to go. Actually, before that, I tried out EMDR. And that therapist didn't work out for me. And I kept hearing this voice in my head, try something else, try something else, hang in there, try something else. So I went to a um, organization that's well known in Central New York for therapists and social workers. And they had an EMDR um, guy, his name, his first name is Gary. And um, he had helped me through a lot of this stuff. And then at the end of this one session, I was ugly crying. It's like, you could let her go now. Let her go. You did the best you could. And I said out loud to him that I'm sorry I wasn't there for you. And I'm sharing that with you because this is part of a therapy that I think helps people with post-traumatic stress, which a lot of first responders probably have. And that's where, you know, I started the healing process. But prior to that, I was on a journey trying to tell people, and like I said at the you know, panel discussion, I refer to it as the Green Reaper because I've talked about cancer prevention for firefighters and cancer. I've talked about mental health numerous of times. I even said to the guys at these meetings that I am you know, a suicide attempt survivor, and it's got to be taken serious. And for some reason, I just think they don't want to deal with it, or they just want to brush it aside and put their happy faces on. And it's, it's really serious. I just mentioned, you know, during pre-talk that, you know, a 24-year-old just took her life, female firefighter. And that really adds the flame to, you know, my passion. I am lost currently trying to figure out how to get in to where we can do something like a peer support thing in New York State or something similar to that. There are a couple of people in New York State that go around and share their stories, their first responders. I want to connect with a couple of them. If they hear me on this podcast, you know, you guys got my permission to give them my email. I'll give you guys my email later in an email or something like that. Because I want to reach out and get something going. Because if I could save one person or even more, then that's, those people would be able to, as I said at the panel discussion, attend the special events that are coming up you know, like my daughter's wedding. I wouldn't be there for it. And, um, you know, now that I think about it, I'm like, wow, I'm glad that it didn't go through. But yeah, 
they still deal with some residual stuff from that attempt. And we've talked about that before as well. Um, that's basically that part in um, a nutshell. Steve, that it takes a lot of strength to be able to, to, to go through all of that and come out the other side, man, and still be here. So I congratulate you wholeheartedly and sincerely, man, because there's, you know, <clears throat> that's a that's a hell of a battle to, to carry through, man. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I agree. So thank you for for sharing it with us and, and allowing that, uh, you know, allowing our listeners to hear it. You know, these are stories that, as you always say, especially with, you know, first responders, firefighters that aren't aren't really um, in the line of view. You know, we don't talk about them enough. So it's a good yeah, thing, you know, and. And, and to put it out there openly too, man, we're always so Tim and I are always open to the discussion. So if, if whoever these people are that Steve is talking about, you know, you reach out, man, we'd love to have you on too to talk. You got an open forum here. Cause we, uh, I, you know, we have, you know, we all know someone who's a first responder. I think I, I know several firefighters and stuff and police officers. So it's not like we don't have anybody that's around us that we don't know. Steve, I kind of wanted to to kind of just see. I know you're very happy about being here for your daughter's wedding, and 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 that's a that's such a great moment that you can that you can celebrate. And I I know in my own personal struggles that that was a big reason why I didn't follow through when I because of the the lasting legacy that that we leave behind when something like this happens. Where do you think, what do you think is the first thing that we can do to help first responders open the door? Like, where's the bridge in there? Where can we help? How can you help? Like, what's the first door we can open for that? That's a great question. Um, I would have to say, stop being very judgmental of people in the first, in the, as a first responder, as a firefighter. I know I'm talking to my fire chief, current and past, that they sometimes are overwhelmed with the training mandates and everything that they have a tendency to not overlook, but have a tendency not to focus so much on the health of the individuals in the fire department. I also know that my story, when I knocked on a door at 18 years old and said, I want to join the fire department, I already had a lot of junk in my bucket, if you know what I mean. There was a lot of warm fuzzies in there. I was already sexual I was already um so physically abused, mentally abused. I was bullied all my life because of my hearing disability. Um, and I was looking to help people to make myself feel good. And I think that's why a lot of people want to help out as first responders, especially volunteers. I came knocking on the door and I said, hey, you know, I want to join. But these guys knew me for, for quite some time. They weren't sure how they could handle my hearing disability. And I can't blame them for thinking that. But I've gone beyond that. I've proved myself to them. But the biggest thing is coming into that door, you know, the expectation level is way high. And back then, and I'm not trying to knock any fire department or any, anyone particularly or personally, but back then, fire departments were a social organization with good attempts to help the community, but they also did a lot of drinking. I came from some alcoholism in my past. They were so manly men. They didn't show any emotions. Um, they would rather drink away things. I was wondering why they were drinking instead of talking about it, because we did have a debriefing at that time. The debriefing thing would start in and up back then. 
I couldn't be part of it because I was told by my supervisor that I would be fired if I didn't plow that particular night. And that really bothered me. But I knew debriefing was there. Maybe if had I been debriefed, maybe I could have dealt with it better. I have no clue. It just didn't happen. But I was just trying to figure out why these guys were drinking all the time. And I met a couple other firefighters, and they were struggling with things, so they wanted to drink. And now I finally got why they were doing it. And later in life, I attended some open AA meetings, Aladon meetings, um, for various reasons. And I learned that there were a couple of firefighters at those meetings talking about their struggles and why they had to have that drink and why they're starting to dry up. And it was interesting to see how firefighters don't like to be vulnerable. They don't like to come out and say, hey, I had a bad fire. I need to, I, I can't cope with it right now. Can you help me? Taking that a little bit step further, how can we help? The peer support thing would be great because I'm in the Syracuse area. If I'm struggling with something, I'll call a guy out in Western New York who doesn't know me and say, hey, this is what I'm going through. Can you help me? Peer support support supporters and what I'm thinking of would have resources for these people to contact so that they can get help. Um, and that's the first start right there. Is a firefighter coming down and saying, hey, I'm struggling with this. I need help. You know, guide me. And you keep it confidential. You keep it under the raft. You keep it behind the scenes. Unless it's serious, you know, where the actual person is definitely going to, you know, attempt or contemplate. And then you, you as a peer supporter, think that you need to um, step it up. That's where the training came in for me to know that as a first responder, we're mandated reporters. We have to report no matter what. If we think someone's going to hurt themselves, we immediately got to do something. We just can't say, well, let's see how this goes. And we all know that. So we can help each other out understanding that lingo and that, that you know, um, requirement. And maybe save some life or help these people get through their difficult time. The other thing was that I was an EAP coordinator and I had training in suicide. This was before 2015. That's how dark my place was. I'm really being phone rules telling you that I failed. It was a failure that was a successful failure, as I put on Facebook a while back, because I'm still alive. You know what I'm saying? We, I remember you had a podcast and you talked about failure. It can be good or it could be bad. I try to look at failure as a good, a good thing now. Um, back then, at that, mark, that dark moment, I felt like a failure. But I learned to twist that around and say, I'm not a failure, I failed at that, or I failed at this, rather than letting that whole situation become my identity. And thanks right. to you guys, you know, people hear that, they get onto it. Yeah, that's right, man. Fail forward. And I, I you know, I, that's a concept that I, we've been, Tim and I have been discussing over and off, off and on the last couple of years since I had heard about it. Cause it's just a reframing of the idea of what learning is. But I kind of wanted to go back to where you were because I heard so much in that conversation about how you, like when we started to talk about opening the door and how you walked into that fire department at 18 and there was all these expectations. And I, I wanted to ask you, this is a first responder. 
because do you think that by glorifying things the way we do with TV shows and stuff, do you think we amplify the expectations that are put on our first responders to be the completely, you know, like superheroes in, as a matter of fact, like that they can't be vulnerable. Like it's almost, there's, there's almost such a stigma about that they have to be so strong because we put such a spotlight on what they do, you know, with all the shows and stuff. Now I'm saying culture does it with everything, but do you think that that actually adds to the expectations that a lot of these younger kids aren't expecting? Yeah, I think so. I do recall back when I was in Rockland County and I was a member of a couple of fire departments down there. Um, there was a guy that came in and um, we had a bad call. He said, I'm done. So I don't know how you guys handle this, but I'm done. And we do glorify it. We do. We do say, yeah, we're, we're the heroes and we're macho and all that. There are expectations and there are high expectations um, back then. Not so much today. Um, you know, and I, I take on that myself. If someone walks into the door and says, hey, what should we expect if we join? Um, and I'm involved with that, I'll let them know. There's going to be some days you're going to really see some really, really bad stuff. Just let you know. That's, what, not that's exactly what I was, I was just going to say, like, because you, you had talked about peer group or peer support like that. Is there, is there uh, something that maybe even you can start up like a, like an introductory program to volunteer firefighting and, and have it be like a, um, you know, like a two week class, you know, like two or three times a week, you know, two or three days out of the week where you could, could, you know, bring this stuff uh, to everyone's attention and talk about, you know, um, overall what you will be experiencing. Um, they try to touch on that in their, their initial training, according to what the state fire instructors have told me. Um, I don't think they do because they've asked a couple of new recruits after they've dealt with stuff, after they've taken their class, have they talked about the, some of them will say, yeah, in a way. Some of them will say, no. I would love to do it. If these people are not listening to me, or, for example, um, I made a few phone calls. This is God on the truth. I made a few phone calls to someone in the emergency management department. I won't tell you what county it is because I don't want them to get into trouble or scolded at, and I don't want to badmouth the service. And I said to him, where do we stand with this? And this was just debriefing. This wasn't peer support. This was debriefing. We got to get this started first before we can do this. And in some ways, we really need the peer support before we need debriefing. So it's a a gamble there, which way we're going to go. And we're working on it. Then I recently called back after, unfortunately, there was a suicide in one of the fire departments in this county. And I called back about a few weeks later after the dust settled and I said, where are we with that? Oh, we're, we're still working on this part of it. Or we're still working with these people. I was literally pissed off. Literally. I'm like, <laughs> this is like the second or third one we had in this particular county. And that's just where you're going with it. And I'm willing to volunteer. I'm willing to give you my time. Oh, well, you know, well, you know. People are making excuses for other people. And there's a retired fire coordinator from another county that I used to be a member of. And he would tell me debriefing is for, you know, BS. 
And I looked at him and I said, really? Go back to being an EAP coordinator? We had a real bad accident. No, I'm sorry. We had um, a medical emergency at one of the residencies. Um, DOT's got lots of shops throughout the central New York area. And I was an EAP coordinator there. I showed up. And I just showed up. I had my EAP shirt on. I just showed up. People knew who I was. And two days later, we went back you know, to see where the guys were at. And some of them were telling me the story. Um, the actual people that were involved and the people that were outside watching. And one guy walked up to me and he goes, thanks for showing up on the day of the event. Your presence made a difference to me. I don't know about everyone else. So I try to explain that to some of these, excuse my expression, bullheaded, hard-headed firefighters, that a presence of someone from your peer support group may make a big difference for one individual. And that's all that matters to me. I don't know what matters to you. I don't need 10 guys coming up to me saying, hey, you know, this and that. I just need that one guy realizing that he matters because you called the peer support group to your firehouse. And it's just, it, it blows my mind because these are the same people that look at the safety records and don't want a firefighter to get hurt, don't want a firefighter to get killed physically, but they don't care about their mental health. I'm getting fired up here. I apologize. But <laughs> Do you, no, it's okay. It's okay. Do you think that do you think that if you could maybe t um, talk to somebody either in a surrounding county or, or, or you, where you are, maybe and get a room like if there's an extra, you know, I know some of those places have uh, different rooms, whether they rent them out for like, you know, outside birthday parties or events. Um, but, you know, if you could get a room, hey, I'm Steve. Um, this is a flyer. I'm going to put it on Facebook. I'm going to put it out on social media and we're meeting uh, Wednesday night at seven and, you know, you can come and we can talk about things and we can talk about, you know, if you're, if you're starting being a volunteer through the fire firehouse and we can go over things like anything's on the table. I mean, do you think something like that would be beneficial? I'm going to ask my chief now that you mentioned that because I had mentioned to my current chief that, um, I wanted to do something in the county that I'm in. And he said, I got to get a hold of the fire coordinator um, with COVID and all the protocols coming through. They're really overwhelmed. And I said, I get it. But just get me a meeting with him. And, you know, I'm sorry. So he's going to try to get a meeting with him with me. Or he's going to do a meeting with him and mention my name. So I've got an opportunity to talk to him again. I will mention this. I also, with your permission, will post this on my Facebook page. Um, I've had a couple of people that are not firefighters listen to the panel discussion, and they were really proud of me. They were impressed with my vulnerability. They didn't think I could do something like that. And I am, you know, I was bouncing off the walls listening to the panel discussions, and it, I couldn't realize, well, I didn't realize at that point yeah, Luna's over here saying, hey, what's going on here? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, we were talking, you know, about the possibility of me being vulnerable to the point to where things would happen. The passion would be there. Um, I know I got a little off track. Sorry. Yeah, I think I think that um, just no, it's OK. I think I, but I think that, you know, you had mentioned before about like where to start. I think that's a, a perfect place to start. And I think what. um I don't know. This might just be uh, from my perspective, but I think one thing that becomes a barrier is, is the walls that everybody else puts up and that they don't, 
you know, they may say they care about safety. They may say they care about mental health and no, it, it, some days it feels like that, that no one wants to help. And for peer support, and I'm sure Will would back me up on this. It's, it's pure thankless and there's not much support for peer support. So it's like, you kind of just have to jump in and, uh, and try it and just do it. I mean, we've had plenty of nights where we have had our, our peer group and, and it's just Will and I, and you know, no one shows up and, you know, you, you, you can either beat yourself up or you can just say, well, I'm going to continue to put this out there and, and just do what I can at the, do the best I can at, at this moment. You know? Yeah. I just wanted to, I just wanted to chime in real quick, Steve, cause I, I do want to get to more of your stuff. Um, peer support, I think is one of the most important things there is. And it's just, it's very hard to, to get people to come out a lot of times to peer group. And it's, it is, it's, it is a thankless job sometimes. And it's hard to keep, and it's also hard to keep your certifications if you're not actually in, in the field. Cause like, I have to, like, I, I'm, I don't even uh-huh. think I did enough of my continuing education hours this year yet. And I have another year of my certification before I have to do something with it, or they're going to take it away from me. So, or, or I have to go through all the classes again, which I probably would anyway, just to keep it, you know, if I was just to have it, but cause I like it, but it's, it's a, it's a difficult thing, but I, I want to scream from the rooftops that it is so important to know that other people experience the same things you experience. Mental health is not separate from physical health. Mental health is physical health is mental health. Remember that people, um, but Steve, I, I, I second with Timmy. I think that that I, dude, your ideas are great. And if we can help, if there's anybody out there, if we can put you back in touch with Gara, you know, as far as, cause he's obviously, you know, as far as part of the suicide prevention center in New York's of New York, man, he's got a lot of connections too. So they might be able to set some stuff up. Um, I'm going to try to find some resources also. Um, I have okay. several friends who are firefighters here in, in Albany, in the Albany area. And I, um, I know that there's been, um, some deaths there recently. Also, I know they've lost some firefighters recently. Um, so I'm going to try to reach out to some of my contacts and see if there's anything I can find out. Uh, but I, so I'm, I'm so happy that you're here, you've stayed and that you are on your purpose. And I, I got to ask you this, does this new purpose, what is, the, what has this new purpose given you? Um, if made people hate me, like Carl said, haters are going to hate on your show, Carl Waggett. And um, I'm not afraid to be hated anymore. You know, it's given me strength. Um, it's given me strength to shine the light on the dark stuff. Um, people run from the stuff because they don't understand it. If you guys continue to do what you're doing and I continue to do what I'm doing. It won't be so dark anymore. It'll be in the light. It'll be okay. You know, this is reality. Let's face it. Mental health, mental illnesses. Let's get help when we need it. My purpose has given me more awareness um, of mental health issues, mental illnesses. I don't really know what to say because there's so much stuff going on in my head right now. But the one big thing is that, you know, 
there are days that I'm not happy. Um, obviously, that's life. Um, but on those unhappy days, I always try to find something to strive for. I guess that makes sense. Um, like I was telling you guys earlier, it's raining like crazy here. It's been raining for the past two days. Can't go outside. Um, there are other things I can do to help me stay content in the moment. Um, I also noticed that coming out with my story, I, um, I didn't do it to myself, but I feel more isolated. People don't know how to handle people who are vulnerable. And I try to use what Rob, Rob has said on one of your programs, the first responder, and Carl has said, is, you know, just keep doing what you're doing, keep shining. Eventually, people are going to get a hold of you and start, you know, texting you and start seeing what you're up to. I'm usually the person that checks on people. And there's been a few people currently in my life that have been struggling. And I just make sure that they know I'm there and my job is done. Um, I tell them, you're not alone. I tell them, you know, if you need to talk, I'm available. Um, I make sure I let them know I'm not available 24-7. I will get back to them as soon as I can. I think that's becoming more of my purpose. I don't know what the future holds for me at this point. I was thinking about retiring, but I bought this house that I'm currently in right now, so I'm going to not be able to retire for a couple more years. Um, But where I'm living, I may get a shot to do peer support. And hopefully it might grow from there. Well, whatever we can do I, to support that, man, whatever we can do to support that here at Above Ground Podcast, man, we'll be more than happy to, we'll even help you, you know, we can help you in any way, get something set up or whatever. You know, like I said, that would be awesome. Um, I know that time is very valuable, my friend. And I just kind of wanted to, I, I know this has probably been pretty, it's been pretty intense time for you, man. You've been able to to share your story a few times now and stuff. And I kind of wanted to then it wrap things up a little bit and just ask Timmy if there was anything else Timmy wanted to ask before we kind of get it into the lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> no, just just thank you know, uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for for being here, you know, at Above Ground Podcast, and just thank you for doing what you do and just. Again, you know, you know, just continue to do it. It's, you know, it's a, it's a tough road. And, and on top of that tough road, you know, we're, we're also healing on top of that our, ourselves. So, you know what I mean? We're, we're on the, on the path of healing. We're on the path of helping and, you know, your mission and your purpose. And I think it all ties into one. I think, I think, you know, to, to, to second guess it is, is a kind of a waste of time and silly. I think you're doing it. I think, you know, you may not see the results, you may not feel like it, but, um, you know, you're, you're helping people and you're doing your part just by, by doing this and talking like we are, you know, we may not have a thousand listeners or a million listeners, but you know, if one person listens, then, then we did it, you know? Yeah. Help us spread the message, everybody. Yeah. Help us spread the message. Everybody share if, you know, if you've heard something, man, tag us, share it, you know, do whatever you can, but Steve, we appreciate so much you being here, man. Uh, So we finish up every episode with the three questions. (laughs) Do you have a favorite or a least favorite word? You know, I've listened to several of your podcasts and I've listened to people give you words and stuff like that. Honestly, don't think I have a favorite or least favorite word, 
but I'd like to touch on the word vulnerability. It could either go against you or it could go for you. And I like to think that it goes for you. Nice. Well said. With mental health, mental illness. Yeah, I would, I would say vulnerability. I'm okay with being vulnerable. Is there, is there something that you can kind of sum up quickly about vulnerability that to help make it work for you or what that, what you do that makes it work for you? I'm not afraid anymore of um, what people think of me. That's a good I'm freedom afraid, to have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the best way I can sum that up for now. Tim. Okay. I like it, man. I like it very much. That's very cool. Um, so you know what the next question is coming. So, so I, I've kind of changed. I've kind of changed this question around a little bit because I, I've noticed that there's a difference between spirit animals and the animals that we love in our personal lives. So I'm going to open this up to: Do you have a spirit animal, a personal animal love? And is it a cat, dog, or other? And I already know what this answer is going to be because we've all seen the beautiful Luna. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you talk about spirit animal. I'm going to throw you a curveball. I love dragonflies. I love what they represent. Wow. Okay. That is a curveball. <laughs> I like dragonflies. Um, it's, it's thought that when you see a, a dragonfly, even a cardinal or something like that, someone from the past is thinking of you. But for some reason, I just love the peace and tranquility that um, dragonflies offer. Because you always see them around bodies of water. And I like the water. I like the lake. I like the um, ocean. Um, definitely Lunar is my, my dog. Um, and um, I've had a family member ask me one time, you prefer cats or dogs? I said, definitely dogs. Um, but I've had a few cool cats in my life. Um, one of my friends, unfortunately, had a her cat down and um he was really cool I'm, I'm not a real cat fan but this cat was really really cool and it's ironic that his name is Smokey. here i am a volunteer firefighter like the cat named Smokey. <laughs> all right well the last question would be um if there was something that you would like to see done or if there's something that you could do for mental health as a whole without any kind of restraint what would it be peer support for fire first responders firefighters peer support right off the bat no doubts no ifs ends or buts to the point. So you're right to the yeah. point. So I, so I just want to sum this up really quick. So that means if it's like right from the start, then that means it would be built into the education of a volunteer firefighter. And I, and personally, you know, and personally to me, it, it actually sounds like a win-win because you're, you're giving these individuals something else that they can count on for giving their time to, to donating to the community because without their, our volunteer firefighters, man, many people would lose their houses. So we have to support all these young individuals, these young men and women and, and older men and women all from all walks of life volunteer and, and they devote their time and, and they want to be part of the solution. They're not out there causing the problems. They're out there fighting fires in your community. And that goes for all firefighters and stuff anyway. But Steve, thank you so much, man. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. It's been, a, it's been amazing meeting you. It's so great to be a part of that panel and, and, and the friendships now that we, that we have and forged and that we're going to be able to keep further and on through, through our connections here on Above Ground Podcast. Um, we're going to be out in the community soon. Um, I'm not sure when this episode is actually, your episode is going to be in about a month. So by the time you hear this episode, we'll actually should be getting close to the, 
upstate punk rock flea market, which I think Timmy and I will be at for with a community table of resources. So if anybody's out there at that, it will be there. I'm hoping so. Um, but thank you, Steve Yacht Chick. Steve Yacht, <laughs> Steve, Steve Yacht Rock Yacht Chick. <laughs> well, thank you for having me on the show and um, keep, keep doing what you're doing. I have, like I said, I've listened to some of your podcasts um, and they're really, really good to listen to. They're really good resources to people going through this um, unfortunate, you know, mental health battles and illnesses and suicide and stuff like that. Um, thank you for doing what you're doing. I really admire you guys. Um, and um, hopefully we'll keep in touch as time goes on. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Absolutely. We're, we're friends now. You're part of the family now and you're, and you're pretty local. Like I, like we we're really trying to open up the door to more people in the 518 and, and in central New York and even Western New York, man, New York is a big state. It's, so I, I open the door to anybody out there who hears this that is in our state that can offer information about anything within the mental health system. We would love to have a conversation with you if you email us at abovegroundpodcast at gmail. Um, Timmy, another awesome interview, man. So until next time, we're going to wrap it up. Be well. Be safe. Be, be uh, above. above. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs>